God, thank you for our time together. Today, we're just very, very grateful that you've given us this place to be away from just the normal rhythms of life, a very peaceful, beautiful place. Thank you for our time together, even in studying how to study your word. So pray, Father, that you would help us to be more and more skilled in studying and applying your word to our lives. That's simply what we pray. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's just start with talking about this for a minute. So think about these steps, observation, interpretation, application. The goal of observation is to actually answer this question, what is the passage saying? Okay, simply that. What is it saying? So think about this. When a crime scene investigator appears on the scene of the crime, do they, stand, do they arrive there and go, I know who committed this? No, they actually begin to look at the evidence. In fact, most of the time is looking at the evidence. They're observing. So in observation, we're going to answer the question, what? What is this passage talking about? Okay, I'm going to throw this to you. If observation is answering the what question, what is interpretation? What question is that answering? Any thoughts? This is what interpretation might be answering the what. <gasps> Who said that? Brilliant. Brilliant. Myra, yes. It's answering the why question. So this is what is here, but interpretation, which we'll talk about in a little while, is why. Why is this here? Why did the Bible writer put this here? Why did he include the details that he did? It's getting into the why question. Talk about this tomorrow. Jesus answers the who. Who is this all about? But we'll skip over that for a minute. If observation is answering the what question, interpretation is answering the why question, what question is application answering? What how? do you think? Say again? How. Say a little bit more. How. Yeah, how what? How we apply this to our life. Yeah, how we apply it. Great, great, great. I just wasn't sure it meant. So how, or another way to say it is like, so what? So this is answering what, this is answering why, and this is answering how, or so what. Once we work through all of that, it actually becomes a very good Bible study. Oftentimes, though, what many of us do in Bible study is we read a passage and we actually tend to skip these couple of steps. Let me go right to this one. So you read it and go, huh, what does this mean for me? And we struggle, and that's why for many of us, we tend to get the same thing out of a passage only because we haven't explored the passage at all. This is hard. It takes time. But once we work through it, Jesus begins to pop out of every passage. And actually, application becomes much more meaningful because it's actually rooted in what the passage is actually talking about. Okay? If you look at your sheet there, uh, page 57, I have a quote from Peter Kroll. He, uh, he's president of our ministry. He wrote a book called Noble Word, which I would highly recommend. He wrote this, if we neglect good observation of what the text says, we have no true foundation upon which to know Christ. We have great intentions but in all the wrong directions. Where are the people who failed to observe which weekend was the daylight savings time switch? And we show up to church an hour off from everybody else. That was a good way to put it. Look at the goal on your sheet, the goal of observation, to understand what the original author was communicating to the original audience. So remember the principle. The Bible was written for us, but it was not written to us. We're not the original audience. So in observation, we want to understand what was that author saying to that audience. 
And notice as well, in other words, to comprehend what the passage is saying. Okay, there are key questions to ask in observation. They're right there on your sheet. So are there any repeated words or ideas? Let me read you two verses from John 13, and you tell me what the repeated words or ideas are. I think you'll get it pretty easily. Jesus said this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So if you're doing observation, like any repeated words or themes, what would you say it is there? Anybody? Love. Not only love, but love one another. Like that's his main point, love one another. So if you're doing Bible study, you have to understand that is Christ's main emphasis there. He's repeating it. Oftentimes in English, the way that we emphasize something is we use adjectives. Hey, how was breakfast? Oh, it was great. It was delicious. It was abundant. It was munificent. Every, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, munificent. We'll talk later. But anyway, <laughs> typically in Greek and Hebrew, the original words there, the way that they emphasize something is by repeating it a lot. It's not an adjectival language. It's a repetitive language. That's why you always want to look for that. Look at the second question there. Are there any linking words or transition words such as? If then, therefore, but likewise, because, so that. And actually, Zach helped us to see that this morning in his talk. Remember how the passage began? Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the gospel or of me, his prisoner. And he helped us to see that therefore refers back to verse 7, since you have a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. So one of the things we often say, and you guys have seen it, whenever you see a therefore, you should always ask what it's therefore. Okay. Yeah. That's you. So, okay. So any linking words? Here's the third one. Are there any commands or promises? Just want to notice those. Are there any commands or promises? Listen to this from Matthew 6, and you tell me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Are there any commands or promises there? What are they? Do not be anxious about tomorrow. That's the command. what's, What's the promise? Remember the promise? For tomorrow will take care of itself. Was there any other command in there? Seek first first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's the command. Remember what the promise was? And everything else will be added to you. So whenever you're doing observation, you have to slow down and look for these things. Here's another word. Are there any figures of, oh, sorry, any words that indicate atmosphere or mood or emotion? Those are really good things to observe. So think about this from Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, that in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Pretty pretty obvious, right? The dominant thing you want to observe there is the emotion. It's, It's not like a guy is going through a library and has to find a dusty old novel, but the kingdom of God is like a man who sees a treasure in his field, is like, he covers it up, he sells everything else that he can get this thing. So you want to notice that, you want to observe that. Last thing I want you to notice, we're not going to go through all these questions, but the last one is, what are the figures of speech? 
know what a figure of speech is, right? It's something that actually stands for something else. Here's an example, Matthew 13 again. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now we understand Jesus doesn't mean that literally. It's not like heaven is like a merchant looking around for pearls, but it's a figure of speech. It's an image and you want to notice it. For many of you, this may seem like, of course, for some of you, this is new. The key thing in observation is you've got to slow down, particularly when you come to passages that you've read before, because you're just tempted to go, oh, I know this stuff, but you've got to slow down and look at the details. And once we accumulate the details, we will see not every detail is equally valuable, but those details then will help us to understand why. What's the main point of this? That then, as we'll talk about tomorrow, will help us see how Christ is in it. And then from that, we'll understand so what or how does this apply to my life? The passage that we're going to look at over the next two days, it's right there on page 56. It's Mark 4, 1 to 25. We did not choose that because it, the gospel writer has the same first name as me, although it didn't hurt, okay? But Mark 4, 1 to 25, that's what we're going to look at. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to read it, and then you're going to break up into groups of three or four, and you're going to do observation with those questions that I just gave you, okay? Some of you are very familiar with this passage. Some of you are not. For all of us, let's pretend this is our first time through it, and we are like Sherlock Holmes or a crime scene investigator, and this is the scene of action, and we're going to slow down. And we're going to grab as many details as we can out of it. Okay? Let me read it for you. Again, he, Jesus, began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, it was scorched, since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no grain. Other seeds fell into good soil. And produce grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Then he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Then he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. 
And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word immediately, they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the seefulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. God's word. Break up into groups of three or four and work through those first couple questions of observation. Give me about 10 minutes. <clears throat> 